today on Cinematics. Crisis breeds opportunity, so just roll with it. This is Living in Oblivion. You wanna go? Go! Alright, I am so sick of your shit, you hostess twinkie motherfucker! What did you say? You heard me. Say it again! You hostess twinkie motherfucker. Hello everybody, welcome back to Cinematics. I'm Ryan. And I'm fucking Paulie. Fucking Paulie, and we're here to talk about um, Living in Oblivion today. A little, um, little humble movie. Yeah, and, and you know, we watched it and then we sat there for a few minutes and we thought about how, uh, what the movie, we were trying to th- figure out what the movie was about. What the, besides just it being a movie about making a movie. And Paul here had the idea that perhaps it's just a movie about rolling with it. So we're just going to roll with it. We haven't really prepped anything for this episode. We got some personal notes from each of us here. But uh, I think we're just going to go for it. We're going to see what happens. Something we haven't tried before. So Living in Oblivion was directed by Tom DeSillo. Living in Oblivion is directed by Tom DeSillo. I don't know anything else that he's done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I like this movie. It's a good movie. Uh. One of the questions I actually wanted to ask was, and I did ask it to you earlier, was what, who is this movie for? Right. You know, you know, when someone makes a movie, they have an audience, you know, they're like, we're putting this movie out for this group of people. My question is, is this a filmmaker's movie? Is it a movie that the filmmakers were making to say something to other filmmakers or were they trying to reach an audience that was more just uh, more inclusive i guess yeah because it feels to me like as as someone who's made movies before um i was picking up on things that were not right right about some of the stuff that they were doing while making the movie that they were making well and that right there like uh even even while while we were watching it, I I said you know like this all this because you're pointing out things that you're like oh they wouldn't slate that way, they wouldn't they're using the wrong lights for what they were what they were talking about or what they were trying to do they would say put out the blondes and then you're like those aren't blondes I mean so I feel like that was probably intentional from the filmmaker just to kind of say like these guys really aren't that professional maybe not but also there's there's also that thing about how they um who was it chad now i know it was a i know it was a dream spoiler alert i'll say the spoiler alert after as we usually do Uh, i know it was a dream but the one actor the the shitty actor chad or whatever fucking fucking chad that guy plays Goddamn the Chad. That guy, that guy plays the perfect douchebag. He really like, does. Oh man. So he says, you know, I loved your other other movies. Now we also find out afterwards that he was just saying that because he thought the guy could get him in with Quentin Tarantino. But does that mean that Nick? I almost forgot his name. Does that mean that Nick has made a bunch of other movies that were successful? They also did say in one of the other dreams that it was a low budget. Like, we have to assume that these things are probably true, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm just – I'm going to kind of go back to what you were saying. What you were saying about, right. Sorry. I got um, <laughs> What you were saying about uh, um, what – who is this movie for? And I think I think on – like, at the at the face value of it, it's, it's, a, it's a movie for filmmakers – but I think on a deeper level, it's it's a movie that anybody could could relate to, in terms of you know things could be going wrong, and sometimes you just you gotta you gotta find different solutions for different problems. I guess that just and, goes back to that title you were talking about, you know, yeah, just roll with it. Yeah, and it, it you know that could be applied to anything. I think. True, and you, you, I mean you don't need to know. I guess. Maybe maybe there's tidbits there for people who have been on a set before and know how things work. Yeah, because to of sort of jargon, laugh at what's happening. Yeah, yeah, and like you know the the jargon that they use and you know um, maybe the way certain things are done. Like that stuff is for film people. Like you know just certain terminology and jargon and all that. Right? Well, well, and I'll be I'll be straight up too. Like everywhere makes movies. Everywhere things are done slightly differently. I suppose so. Like you know. 
I my experience on set is in Canada with Canadian crews mm. who do their thing yeah. their way. I haven't I, the the American shows that I've worked on are not they're here because being crewed by Canadians. So it's not like I've seen how a full set in Hollywood runs, mm -hmm. you know. So maybe they have different uses for the terminology that we use differently. Sure. I'm sure they do. So, the, the, you know, that, that could have been some of it. Or, or uh, like I was saying before, too, it could just be intentionally wrong just for for character building and whatever else. That That is very true. Because you were even saying that. What was that, what was that director's name? Uh, Tom DeSillo. Tom DeSillo. Um, I'm curious what else – because I, I, I know I should know this, but I'm like – the worst person for remembering people. Oh my God. <laughs> Tom DeSillo, American director, cinematographer, writer, and sometimes actor. Well, there you go. What has he done? Delirious, Living in Oblivion, Johnny Swade, Box of Moonlight. They all look very abstract. Like and some TV series too. ones. They, they super do. Yeah. And I mean, can we take a second and just postulate about what actually was real in that movie? That is the question. Because, <laughs> because you're living in oblivion. In uh, the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you know the the first what thirty minutes, um, are one segment of a dream, and then the next thirty minutes or so are another segment of a dream, and then after that, there's another 30 minutes or so. I'm, I'm breaking it up fairly evenly because I can't remember how long. The, an hour and 30. So there you go. 30, 30, 30 approximately. Yeah. Um, the last 30, we don't know. Uh, Nick walks <laughs> off set. He leaves. Nobody knows where the fuck he went. And then it ends. Yeah. Why did he walk off set? Where did he go? Which begs the question, was that also just a dream? Yeah, and it... You know, actually, I just I, I, I had an idea. So maybe the reason maybe the reason Nick had that had that dream at the beginning where, you know, like every everything's going wrong. But the only thing it seems like the stuff that that's in color is the real stuff. So I'm, I'm thinking that the actual because in that scene, the stuff that they were shooting was the stuff in color. So maybe he was he was thinking about the day before. And like he was, he was dreaming about the being on set the day before. So maybe the the only the only real thing was the stuff that they shot, and then everything else around it is his dream, I guess. It it that mm, that's interesting because I made a note of that too while we were going through because in the first sake sequence, the filmmakers. When we see the real world of the, the dream, the filmmakers are in black and white. Mm -hmm. The crew's in black and white. All the action there is in black and white. As soon as we become, as an audience, as soon as we become the camera, it right. goes to color. Right, right, right. It's like, okay, that's weird. And then we go to the next section, and it's reversed. When we're looking at the directors, we're in color. When we're looking at the yeah. crew and all that, we're in color. And when we're the eyes of the camera, it's black and white. And then in the final segment, everything's in color. Right, yeah. And I noted in here specifically, uh, where did I write? Color is real, question mark. Yeah, and that's... So he's dreaming, and in his dream, he's... It's not real, so he's... In the, in the first section, I'll clarify. In yeah. the first section. Yeah. So he's in black and white because he's not real. It's his dream. But for some reason, what's going on in front of the camera is real. And then as we progress through the movie, we see it's real because no matter how many times we relive this one day on set that he's trying to get done, there's about, always different problems. What about – and this is kind of a – this is probably a stretch, but what about – what if the movie's about managing expectations? Managing expectations. So, so okay, so the movie – the movie is all about like all these problems emotionally, you know, he's having an identity crisis. Nick is having an identity crisis. He's like, you know, this isn't working, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like maybe when everything's in black and white, it's what they expect it to be, or maybe what they don't expect it to be. Because when in the first sequence, Nick is dreaming about that's how his day's going to go. Right. So he has kind of like, 
an expectation that his his day is going to go like that. And then when um oh, what's her name? Uh the the lead actress. Oh, uh, uh Ellen, yes. Ellen. 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 Ellen's her character name. Yeah, Ellen's her character name. But and then uh so maybe she has an expectation about how um the film is going to go the next day. Right, right, and because then, she had a dream and then, about how something would have gone. Yeah, and then at the end, that's that's the day they're actually on set. That's when everything's in color, and that's when everything is just... And that's what actually and, happens. And it could even be kind of about, like, <laughs> as it's probably another stretch, too, but, like, how your thoughts shape your reality. So if you go into something thinking it's going to go shitty, it's probably going to go shitty. Yeah, I guess. Cause it, like, that's true he's like you know he's like I, you had a dream about being on set i i freaked out in your dream and i freaked out mine. It's no wonder i'm so fucking exhausted i loved that line yeah that 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 whole <laughs> moment was just great my, my um, favorite line is the hostess twinkie <laughs> <laughs> i am so sick of your shit you hostess Host- twinkie motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> you hostess twinkie <laughs> motherfucker oh, fuck. Such a good um one. That that's re- that's really interesting though, um, and something in and along that sort of same same vein, I guess, is that uh, how am I? What am I trying to say here? So, the you're saying the black and white is the expectation, the color is what really happens. So now you've got two different dreams that happened, assumedly on the same night. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah. we're we're imagining that that the actress who plays Ellen, I, why can't I think of her character, her actual name, her character name, um, Catherine. Keaton. No, 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 but her character. So anyway, yeah. Catherine, um, she has her dream and Nick has his dream in the same night. Mm-hmm. And then we come to that final scene and they're both in color because now they're both expecting. They're expecting something to go the way it is, but also everything in that last day seems more realistic, doesn't it? Yeah. Like Did I, it feel I, more realistic to you? Um, because you know, in the first one, it was like the moment they started rolling, something, something would always go wrong in every take. And it was always something different. You know, this had a problem that had a problem that had a problem. And that kind mm-hmm. of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the other, but, the other thing was too, she was also expecting to have to work with Chad the next day. And then she didn't end up having to work with him. Oh, True. And then I also like to note at the beginning when they're getting all their coffee and stuff ready, um, there's a car that pulls up and it says, I don't know what the number was, but it said Zen on, on Zen. the list. So like, I think that kind of ties in with um, just with the crisis breeds opportunity, just roll with it. You know, like, I don't know. I like to think things happen for a reason and not uh, to someone, you know what I mean? So like the the end of it is just even when uh, Nick's mom shows up and you know Peter Dinklage freaks out and everything, and then he walks off and then you know everything just kind of fell into place and then uh, Wolf got to do his handheld and everything and everything just kind of fell into place and that that is yeah that was really interesting kind of just take being able to take a step back and approach things from a a different viewpoint maybe not the way that it plays out in your head or the way that you expect it, but you allow something to evolve on its own, I guess. Well, and, and essentially that's kind of what filmmaking is, you know, from the inside, it's some of the you, best you, things you make happen, a plan. Yeah. I mean like some of the best things on film happen by accident too, right? It's, yeah. Well, you, you, again, you make a plan and then the plan doesn't work out for whatever reason and you have to improvise. And a lot of times the improvisation ends up being better Yeah. or, or just adding to it. Like, I mean, look at, um, the first Avengers movie, for example, um, there's that scene where Tony Stark's walking around eating grapes or raisins or whatever he is. That wasn't scripted. He just stuck them in his pocket, snuck them onto set, and then started eating them <laughs> during the take. Yeah. Didn't tell anybody. Didn't do anything. You know, just started doing it, and it it gave like a, a cadence and a, something to I think pace him through that scene. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all all kind of accidental on the part of the the director, but makes yeah. the scene flow nicer. But yeah, exactly. And sometimes, sometimes I feel like those are the things you need to do. You just need to 
you know, something doesn't feel right or whatever, you just gotta just go with, try something else. Yeah. And, and it all really comes to a head in that last segment, right? Because the, he tries so hard to keep everything together every time. And then in this one, in that last one, he says, I'm not going to try, Yeah, you know, I'm going to roll with it and just see what happens. And then mm-hmm. he tries and he can't, and he still freaks out. He still gets worked up and then, and then gives up, Yeah, you know, Peter Dinklage walks up offset. He realizes, you know, the, the stuff he's shooting is maybe not worth it. He realizes it's dumb or whatever. Yeah. And gives up, and that's when everything works. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, well, and the other thing is, too, like, you know, his his mom was there, and then she just walked out on the set. She just, like, give me that apple, and then she just started going. And then the camera was already off the dolly, or the, the dolly too, and Wolf was going, like, the whole time, like, let's do it handheld, let's do it handheld. And then it just happened to come off the dolly as they were packing it up, and then his mom comes in and starts doing her, doing her thing, and he's like, well, camera and everything. So Handheld's right there. <clears throat> handheld man all the way even in fight scenes even make it fight. extra handheld oh god <laughs> we're, we're 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 going jason Bourne here now ladies and gentlemen uh, uh, yeah so i mean very very uh um strange movie to look at too it's very vibrant yeah, like if you look at the poster and everything, like everything is just so like, like really odd. And I mean, when it when it's colorful, it's colorful, you know. Like Nick's very subdued, but Peter Dinklage, all of his colors are really bright. Mm-hmm. All of the colors that that Ellen wears are very bright. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the characters that were, I guess Chad doesn't really wear bright. He, when he wears, he, when he's off, uh, no, nah, he he yeah, he wears pretty bland colors. But but either way, it, it's quite it's got a saturated look. Mm-hmm. It's quite bright um, and colorful. Here's another thing that I thought of too is like, I don't know, like, I'm just speaking for myself, but sometimes when you get an idea and it and it sticks with you that much, it's like, um, even I can even imagine like when you're filming and and stuff, like, it kind of your mind is in a totally different place. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially under the stresses of like actually making a movie, you could probably get to a point where like you're like, "What's real? Like, what's real anymore?" I I could see that. I'd say that's that's a bit more of a stretch than my my last ones, but I I don't know. I think like you know when when an idea consumes you. Well, like and have that. you ever had a dream where you just went through a normal day? Because I have. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And the day mm-hmm. after that was really shitty. Like yeah, I had yeah. a. I had a full blown like I went to school, sat a whole day through school, mm-hmm. went home, did homework, went to bed, Wake and up. then woke up <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "Oh, this day's gonna fucking yeah. suck I, now." I had a dream like that about building a fence once, and I was just like, and it was it was kind of like this. It was like everything was going wrong, and it was just a really shitty day. And then I woke up, I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> oh god, I <laughs> god. have to do it all this, over again. <laughs> oh god, it's like working forty eight hours. See, so there you go. So that that's what I'm. That's I guess what I was trying to get at is right. like, he is now had this dream all night, and then he comes to set the next day. He's exhausted because he's he's been dreaming. He's about been it. dreaming about it. Yeah. He's been working all night. Now he's working all day. We are already working fourteen hour days on set, anyways. It's yeah, you know. So it sounds it, like an identity or a, <laughs> sounds like an an anxiety dream. <laughs> well, well, okay. What was up with that guy? What know. was his deal? Like, like he was obviously he was, just he was, transport. He but. was like the wise man. It's like, oh yeah, sounds like you're having an identity crisis. Like, and he's so he gives advice to Nick like the, while they're in the car. He's like the old magical like wise man. Right, and then <laughs> he's talking with the actress in the other scene. We see him because mm-hmm. there's what three scenes we see him in essentially. Something like that. The yeah. first one is with um, is it Laura? I want to say her name. Her character name's Laura. The old woman? No, no, no. The actress. Why no, can't I... her Ellen. No, no. Her her character character name. Oh, her is name's Ellen. Ka- her her name's. Uh, oh fuck yeah. No, I see. Uh, no, you see no, what I'm saying? No, I think Nicole. that's her actual name. Nicole. Oh, Nicole, Nicole is the actress's yeah, yeah. actress character's name. <laughs> so, we see um we see Nicole and the driver in the car, and the driver. 
t- Tom Jarmusch. Um, the driver gives some sort of wise advice-ish slash, you know, a nice conversation. We see him being a little more insightful than perhaps you would expect of someone mm-hmm. um, who is just there to be a driver. Not that, not that I'm making any comment on drivers, yeah, but yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying. Um, and, and then the next time we see him, he's having the same insightful conversation with, with Nick, and he gives him some decent advice, essentially. Yeah. And then the third time we see him, he shows up with his mom. Which at first seems like a mistake. Right, right. You know, it seems like a big catastrophe that mm-hmm. he's brought this probably slightly dementia-adled lady that can walk through to walls. set that can <laughs> apparently walk through walls. Like, <laughs> maybe legitimately. Um, but then it turns out that she is what saves the movie. Everything just kind of falls into place if you let it sort of thing. But, but the driver seems to seems to be at the core of this did yeah like yeah yeah he's like some sort of wizard he, sage like, guy it's that, like yeah he's like he may not be giving like advice necessarily but he's giving perspective almost keeping people on track yeah he's he's the uh he's the old sage the old wizard mm-hmm. and maybe maybe we're giving him too much credit maybe <laughs> we're giving his character but it just it feels it feels like he's there for a reason. Yeah. Like he's 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 the one. Oh my he's god. their north star, man. Oh my god, he's the north star. He's there for a reason, man. Oh, that driver. Yeah. He was so nice. He was so nice. And we only saw him for about 5 minutes. So I don't know. I don't know if this is necessarily worth delving in like crazy depth about, but I just found it really funny going through watching these caricatures of people mm-hmm. you know because that, that, that essentially that's what it is you know mm-hmm. yeah nick time. is this like passionate sort of artistic looking director type who gets really stressed out all the time and he's like just really wants this movie to work and and he wants he wants it to he he wants it to be the way that he wants like he yeah. he's very rigid that way he's like Except with Chad. Except so, with Chad, because yeah, with Chad. again, a very stereotypical sort of relationship. We have mm-hmm. Chad, the the big, the big, the big marquee star. talent, yeah. who's gonna make this movie big, so he's gonna appease him. And then we've got our our lighting guy, with Bob. Yeah, Bob. Like, Bob. A plain, hey, Bob. a plain, normal, average name for a plain, normal, average lighting dude, <laughs> who I can't even like begin. To, and to, he was also doing more than just lighting too. He was trying to operate that smoke machine too. Oh yeah, so kinda, that should have been props technically. Yeah, like he should have. Yeah, like he or art or or uh, uh, special effects or maybe. special effects yeah. more likely. Yeah. yeah, but um, depending on but a small budget movie. A small probably, budget, exactly. You'd probably be doing a few different things, but um, yeah, like caricatures big time, especially well, and, and you know, like we are never once told who any who what anybody's role is that that was one thing that i was really impressed about is nobody ever says hey you know you're the you're the dp or you're the lighting guy you know the lighting guy introduces himself as the lighting guy once but it's after we've already been given the clues he's got all the c47s pinned all over himself right so the movie's giving us all of these little clues that you can kind of pick up who's kind of it's kind of like you could in in a way, I guess you could almost picture anybody in those roles. Yeah, you know, like they're because a lot of the people behind the camera, anyways, like they're just pretty generic for the most part, except for like Wolf and maybe Nick. But but Wolf is Wolf is almost generic by being not generic though. That's true, right? Yeah, because yeah. he's got this sort of like hipster DP. Mm-hmm. What would they What did they say? Hipster beret wearing motherfucker was the line, I think. <laughs> no, pretentious. Pretentious yeah. hipster. <laughs> pretentious beret wearing motherfucker. Um, you know, and he's <laughs> puts the belt on his arm for some reason and like Oh yeah. all that. Like you well, know, there, there's characters that even Nick doesn't know who they are. He's like, "What the fuck do you do? <laughs> what do you who even are? do here? Who are you?" <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe like Yeah, but I think yeah, they're so generic that they're okay. This is gonna sound weird, but they're so generic that they are, and they're not. <laughs> I think you just melted my brain there. They're so generic that they are generic, but they're also not generic. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. Like just with 
like with Wolf and even even Bob and everything, right? Like, I mean, oh, man, it's 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 hard to explain my thought process on this because I barely understand it either. But I'm like, I don't know. That's like the best way I could describe it as of now. Talk it out. Tell me what you're feeling, Paul. I, I'm I, here. I don't even tell know. me. That could have been just a thought out of my ass too. I don't know. Okay. But it would just it it came in there. <laughs> well, I, I I'm just rolling with it. It came man. out of your ass and it came onto our <laughs> podcast just like that. Well, there we go. Like most of the things like. I say. <laughs> <laughs> like most words that come out of Paulie's mouth. Ah, uh, fuck. But but that's interesting because what is the again? That was interesting. <laughs> cool. But I hope that didn't pick that up on the microphone, but it probably did. It did, but it sounded cool, so... Oh, okay. Well, whatever then. <laughs> um, but... Oh, jeez, now I've lost my train of thought. So, it, it going back to the point of, is it a is it a movie for filmmakers? I, I mean, obviously, it's not necessarily. It's There's always primary, tertiary, secondary, like all the sure. different audiences that you're aiming for. But, like, when we talk about caricatures of people, you know... I don't think someone who hasn't been on a film set would look at those characters and find them funny. I could be wrong. I don't have the perspective of someone who's not been on a film set mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. But – and neither do you. Mm -hmm. But from my perspective, I feel like if you didn't know what they were making fun of – because they are making oh, fun of oh, – Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I think, right? I yeah. think they're making fun of every different position – on a film set. Yeah, like like you said, this, there's, right? there's stereotypes, right? Yeah, yeah, it's caricatures. They're making yeah, fun of it all. Yeah. And I don't think you'd find it funny if you didn't know what they were making fun of. Right, right? yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So I think in that regard... Um, it's a movie... It's a movie for, for filmmakers? For filmmakers, yeah. At least to an extent. Yeah, to an extent. I'd say at face value it is, but I think... At face value. At, you know, subtext and everything else, I think it's... It's it's a life movie, man. It's a life movie. <laughs> it's just giving you some life lessons on how to not deal with stressful situations. Hey, man, just be the Zen master. Just man. be Zen. Don't yell. Don't get angry. Just be chill, man. Just, just roll with it's it. It's all cool. Like just picture the camera or the the film running through the camera. Rolling just at twenty four frames per second. Just just rolling with it. Recording lights. God damn it! We've turned into an <laughs> ASMR episode now. Jesus Christ. No, this would be ASMR. No, oh, no, please don't. Please don't do that. We really don't need that. Um, something else I noticed yeah. that was interesting. Uh, and I was trying for the whole movie to figure out what it was, what it meant, all that kind of stuff. And I don't have a, I don't have a good answer, so I'm going to throw this out there for you. All right. Every time they started rolling, there was kind of the same setup. They'd start rolling – We'd see the actors prep themselves in whatever sort of color and frame is the real world, so not the position of the camera. Mm -hmm. Then we turn around, we see the crew getting settled, we see the director getting excuse me, getting ready to make his call. And then we turn around, we become the camera, and there's almost always, if not exclusively, I can't think off the top of my head if there was an example that didn't have the zoom in, but it zooms in and there's a little jingle like a dreamy sort of like, oh, well, my cat knocked your backpack over. Uh, there's like that dreamy, jingly sort of noise, almost like mm. the, the, the only thought I had when I first sort of sort of started trying to piece it together was that maybe what it was doing is presenting sort of the actor's entering their own dream you know like like each each day that we see oh. like the first few days it's a someone's dream of them at home while they're sleeping before they come into set but it's also almost like when the actors settle into to the scene it's like they're settling into their own dream which is where they they play somebody else they're another character they're another person they're in another place they're doing all these other things that have nothing to do with them or their life other than that it's their job right so it's it's almost drawing comparisons between the job of an actor which is to create these dreams 
mm-hmm. and then the dreams that these people are are then having, which almost kind of culminates in that dream sequence that they shoot at the end of the movie, oh, yeah, which yeah. seems kind of ironic that after two sequences of dreams, we get to what we what we are going to run on the assumption is reality, and they're shooting a dream sequence. Ah, smart. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So, what what is the hmm. what what do you think about that? Sorry, well, I put you on the spot. No, no, no. I'm just I'm I'm just trying to formulate a formulate an answer. Well, because like I don't know. Don't they call don't they call like Hollywood like the Dream Factory? I have and, heard that. And this is like I guess you could even say that it's the reality of the dream that they're pursuing. Like, but I mean that that that's really interesting to say it that way because a yes we're you know as as filmmakers we create dreams we create stories and fairy tales and things for people mm-hmm. to consume that make them feel something that they want to feel yeah um but also we as filmmakers are as you said pursuing this dream because this isn't this isn't a business that you can just sort of be like whatever about like you can't just go i'm gonna start filmmaking yeah like, i'm just gonna be i'm gonna be a director someday and and, and you whatever. can't come into it and just be like this is my job i'm i'm just i'm just you yeah, know you, you yeah, get exactly. grumpy it, it can't be a nine to five job working 16 hour days mm-hmm. outside in the cold you know and super stressful situations mm-hmm. if it's not something that you're really passionate about the yeah. people who aren't really passionate about it don't stick around yeah, yeah right exactly so for us, it is a dream that we pursue. Mm. Also, ironically, a dream because it's so hard to realize it, to make it a oh, reality man, in yeah. the way that you picture mm. it being when you start out, right? And it, it, and it usually, by the end of it, it usually isn't quite the way you pictured it being. Oh, it never is. Yeah. But, but again, that maybe goes back to what our movie, or our movie, what you were saying about this movie and that it being you know, about just rolling with it because at the end of the day, nothing is really ever what you want it to be. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, I, yeah. Like when it, when it comes to, I don't know, like let's say production design, for example, you can, that's your wheelhouse. That's, that's my sort of fucking thing, but you know, (laughs) Um, Sorry, the way you said that. <laughs> it's my sort of fucking thing. <laughs> anyway, I, I have a way with words. What can you I do. say? You do, um, wordsmith. You. <laughs> but, um, I think you can make a movie look look any way you want it. But I, I think having it feel a certain way is a very different thing. You know, like you can, or maybe it's not even the way it feels, but the way that you thought that people would experience it. Right. Okay. You know, no, no, that, that's true. Cause like I mean, maybe in, like, yeah, you're going to make little tweaks on writing and you know, you're going to have to make some compromises and improv improvisations and stuff like that. But, um, maybe, maybe it's just like the end result of that is like, you know, you're like, wow, this is, and it, it could go either way. You could be like, this is totally different than what I envisioned it being could be better. Or you could be, be like oh man like this isn't the way i wanted this to be and it could be on the opposite side mm-hmm. well and i mean you middle, know right fil- know. filmmaking is a is a collaboration we're not a, a closed book art right mm-hmm. like there's almost every other art besides music arguably is very enclosed you have one artist creating a piece of work that and sometimes in music it's the same thing too but mm-hmm. you know and and they will get outside feedback and things like that but at the end of the day everything is their decision but filmmaking there's so many people so many so hands many, yeah, involved so many, so many gears turning at the same time and and you have you know you have to compromise and you have to make changes and you have to adapt and and i guess you just kind of really see that and i mean i in mean in the whole movie and and there's also things that you can really stick to your guns on too like you know, like if someone says, oh, we should change this and you know that you shouldn't change it, don't fucking change it. Well, but I mean, 
Yes, but, but then I mean, look, look, for, look. For bigger details, anyways, maybe for smaller things like having the camera on the dolly. Or I was gonna say, there you go. That's what that's, I was gonna say. That's different. But I mean, if it if it affects the overall uh, general tone or feel or experience that you're trying to get through with with like the writing in the movie, then I I think you know like you should try to stick to your guns. But in terms of like you know smaller details, you should kind of just like yeah. let those things go. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying don't don't listen to other people's ideas or, you know, um, let the thing evolve. But like, you know, I, I guess as, as a director, especially for something that maybe you wrote, like Nick did in the movie, you might want to try to stick to your guns a little bit, but don't squeeze the life out of it sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, cause actors really like to just let go em- embody their character. Mm-hmm. And when they're embodying their character, they're the ones that, probably know the that vessel. character best they're right? the vessel for it you know the director is meant to know as much about those characters as they can but once the actor takes them and they you don't know what they're doing in their head to create the 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 person that they're portraying mm-hmm. and because they're also adding doing, their own thing to it too, yeah right? yeah they're exactly. adding their own experiences and their own personality to it and, and well. in doing that they're creating a situation so like say for example in that scene where chad keeps changing the blocking mm. i i was suspecting for quite a long time that he just kept wanting to kiss her and that's why he kept changing it and i i realized closer to the end of that scene that that wasn't the case but yeah. I, I was suspecting that originally and i thought that would be something that they would try and do yeah or he, he would try and do but he didn't um he seemed to actually be like fussing with whatever his character was, even if it was just not necessary. We'll just we'll just leave mm-hmm. it. Yeah, not necessary. Yeah. But small minor details, like when he's like, "Hey, you see that light up there?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Move that down about three feet." And I guess it's also, you know, in in terms of I guess a film set in a lot of respects is doing your job. Don't try to do other people's jobs, especially if you're an actor too. It's like. Don't mess with the lighting. Don't tell. Yeah, I mean anybody in general. Just don't tell. Yeah, someone exactly. Else to do the job, yeah, I guess. yeah. But I mean, like I would, I would say especially for an actor because they're, they're not on the technical side. They're on yeah. the creative side of it. Which I mean, obviously, like put in, put in some suggestion and work with people and everything. But like, don't try to take over other people's jobs. Nitpicky uh, shit, right? Yeah. Being difficult to work with. It, it, it really is just kind of this whole film is just a characteristic – characteristic words. It is a caricature of of the whole business really in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's one of the things that I found so fascinating about it overall. You know, I, I normally have stuff to say when I – in my notes pretty quickly off the top of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's it's – it it varies, but usually I have I'm scribbling stuff down pretty close to the beginning. And it took me almost almost until forty five minutes through probably before I started, started writing stuff down, you know, and started figuring out what was going on a little bit. And see, I I was kind of the opposite. I wrote more stuff at the beginning than I did near the end. But you, you've seen it before, <clears throat> which is true. So but I haven't seen it in like three years or something. Fair enough. Or like two years. This is an interesting challenge that I think we encounter on this podcast a lot. Um, is that a lot of these movies that we we watch, you've seen, mm-hmm. and they're your your suggestions. I've had time to think about them. Perfect, great movies, and you've had all of them. Not perfect movies, but they're great <laughs> movies, and they're they're good for what we do they here. They are but, perfect, Ryan. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know they're things. <laughs> but, like, you, you know, you've had time to, to postulate and think about mm-hmm. them, and I, I'm taking them in mostly completely fresh yeah um the exception so far being the babadook which i watched twice in the same week when we recorded for that yeah um and i don't think that that's necessarily a problem i think it's i think it provides interesting perspectives perhaps Mm -hmm. because i'm just at at a certain point i'm just spitballing you're green man yeah (laughs) i'm just so green but i'm just spitballing you know i'm taking whatever i can get out of the first watch to to understand comprehend and and explore and and i mean like like they say it's all subjective anyways Mm. so i mean you know say if you say if you saw it years before and i this was my first time seeing it i probably have a different perspective on well that's why i I think it's so interesting yeah for sure um 
Might have to switch it up. There might be a movie you've seen that I haven't. Oh man, I have so many movies I need to watch that I haven't seen yet. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, I just watched something, and and I had this thought goes back about five ten minutes. Um, but we were talking about perspective. Essentially, mm-hmm. what you just brought up again was perspective and how you know. Um, you never quite create something that is exactly what you want it to be. Like when you're working on a movie and you have this scene and it's in your head all this perfect way and then something happens and you got to change it like that first dolly shot where he just kept wanting to get it all in a water and just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. And, uh, and it had to change and, and that changes perspective and all that. And I was just watching. And even like adapt, like adaptability, I guess. Adaptability. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just yeah. watching something recently and, uh, they were talking about, oh boy, talking about perspective and um, how every, oh shit, which was it now? You know, my train of thought got derailed on that, but essentially it was just, it was the same, it was the same thing they were talking about in another movie about how um, you're, the, the things that you're watching and interpreting are, are all subjective dependent on your perspective and mm-hmm. yeah yeah god damn <laughs> that so, train just left the track so, so fast so what the fuck are we talking about here i don't know man i uh, we'll just roll with it i'm just gonna keep saying that just well that's the theme of today's it, episode it is. isn't it just, so i'll just keep reminding everybody it's just about rolling with it man and uh how crisis breeds opportunity <laughs> that's that's what this is all happy, about. Happy accidents. I, um, I want to. I want to actually relate it, like about you, like what you said about uh, um, creating something. And I, I would. I'd feel like in a lot of ways, creating a film that you're like really passionate about can almost be like making a child. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, like you've been working on something for so long, like it's it's kind of your baby now. Sometimes like, nine months, even. Sometimes nine months, <laughs> sometimes more, but like I feel like you're speaking from experience here, I am, based on the I conversation am, yeah. we just had before this episode. I, I am, and um, you know, there. <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna sound, I don't know, it's not gonna sound weird, but um, movies movies are like people, man. We're not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it I mean, it's, it's flaws, true. And I, and I don't, I, I mean, we're applying it to film because film is what we do and that's what mm. we're talking about here. But yeah. I think it applies to any, any art form in general. But, you know, when you create a work of art, when you create a movie as a, as a writer and you as a director, in the imperfections, you're, man. you're making, you're making, essentially, you have to treat it like your baby because you have to. It ha- it occupies every moment of your mm-hmm. life while you're yeah. making it. Yeah, exactly. Especially film. You have to devote so much time and effort and attention to it and sacrifice and compromise and. I mean, what what your project you've been working on for Coming. over a year now? Has it been over a year now? No, it's been it's been a lot longer. Has it been a lot longer? Oh, yeah, a lot longer. How long? Uh, creeping up on about almost a decade. Really. Mm-hmm. Almost a decade on one project, mm-hmm. and it's not even in production yet. Nope. And I'm taking my time with it, man, because I'm I'm inventing something. You're inventing something. That's what I like to. That's what I like to say. Well, you know, taking, I don't know. Taking my time with it, and kind of, I'm trying to like comb through the cliches, mm. and like you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to make it something, something like new as much as I possibly can. Something new. No, that's good. That's important. I, I I think for me anyway, like my my philosophy is if you want if you want something to be good, it takes time, and I'm taking as much time as I need to on this thing. I have been writing it though, so that's you know that's that's the, a step forward now. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it's just clicking now. Like before, it wasn't it wasn't clicking. So I'm just you know like I'm just gonna keep I'm gonna keep going until I'm happy with it. I'm never gonna be 100% happy with it. Nobody I, I, ever is. You know, but, you know, I I think the time that I'm taking is like really made this one thing. I, and I do have other ideas too. Don't get me wrong. Fuck, did we pick that up? We got to restart the whole thing. Shit. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Cut it. Start the episode over again. You creaky motherfucker. It was not creaky as I dropped no, a pen. No, it wasn't. I just quoting uh, Living in Oblivion. Creaky? 
Yeah, I remember when he was talking about the dolly. He's like, hey, Bob. Oh, hey, yeah. Bob. <laughs> You'd be a little more. No, it wasn't, make a little it wasn't more Bob. Noise. Was it Bob? Yeah, it was. So he's a gaffer and the key grip on that. Yeah, he's like, he's like, can you make a little noise on the fucking dolly? You, you creaky, creaky motherfucker. motherfucker. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like, my, my thing is, like, I have other ideas, but this is, like, my main focus. This is, like, this is, like, my thing. So I'm, yeah. I'm you know, and if it doesn't doesn't get made doesn't get made but i mean i'm gonna try and i'm just it'll get made it'll get made. it'll happen i think so but i mean and i'm not trying to have like a negative like viewpoint on that like oh it's not gonna get made but like you know i'm i don't know i just think to make something good it takes time it always does and you just iron things out and keep ironing them out until you're happy enough with it that you're like okay i'm gonna move to the next step yeah so, do you have anything else to say about living in oblivion? It's good. You should watch it. It is good. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, really interesting style. It's got, it's, it's pretty like bare bones. Like it's not like you said. It's a caricature, right? Yeah. So, I mean, don't expect like a a drama with you know, there is drama in it, but it's just a different kind of. Well, drama. and I mean, we don't know anything about any of these characters. At the end of the day. We're dropped in. It's like it's like a fly on the wall kind of thing, you know. We're dropped in on on a day in the life of yeah. essentially, and we just happen yeah. to get the dreams of these characters for some reason. There's a lot of things about this movie that's very weird and non-traditional uh, in a lot of ways. It it gives you stuff to think about though. Even even after after the credits roll, you're like, man, I wonder what did happen to Nick after that. Yeah, like, like where did, did he go? Did he get Did he get to go up to? Uh, the 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 award ceremony for the greatest movie ever made by a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever ask uh, Nicole out for that coffee yeah. that he wanted to ask her out for? Yeah. Or did he even actually want to ask her out for it? That was just her dream. That was. So she wanted it. Yeah. But did he want it? I don't know. Yeah. Where did he go? I still want to know where the fuck he went. He just like got the scene and then he turned around and fucking ran away. I think I think he went to go talk to the doctors. The doctors. Yeah, cuz the doctors showed up for his mom. And they said oh, it was going to take yeah. like a couple hours, so I think that's where he went. But I wonder where he went after that. After that. I mean, I wonder if he finished that movie. Many questions and not answers we will ever have. But I've always been really interested in that kind of storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, the kind where you just get plopped in a place and you see these people and they do their mm-hmm. thing for a while and then you leave them without really knowing what's yeah. gonna become of it. You yeah. know, it's it, I don't it, know. It kind of it kind of leaves you, and not not in a bad way, but it leaves you kind of feeling a bit incomplete. You're yeah. Like, Man, like what the what happened? They okay, living in oblivion too. The search for more money. The search for they <laughs> ran out of money. Their budget was expired and they needed more money. And now they're making this movie. <sighs> 20, 20 something years later. Twenty You're something years later. Nineteen ninety five, I believe this movie I, came out, and so, so we're yeah. uh, twenty three years later. Now we've dated ourselves. Boom, boom, boom. Um. As uh, as always, spoiler alerts. Spoiler. This episode of Cinematics contains. Um, Class, class one spoilers. Class one spoilers. It, it's true. We talk about the whole movie in depth, um, every bit of it for the most part. So if you if you uh, don't want spoilers, watch the movie before you listen to this episode, and then you can come listen to this episode after, and you can be confused with us about what the heck that movie was about. <laughs> um, and hopefully we helped you gain some some new perspective. Now, you know, new maybe, perspective. maybe just roll with it next time you're having a shitty day. Yeah, just let it be, man. Um, and I guess some housekeeping things. Uh, I guess we should apologize. I should apologize for not having episodes out for the last two weeks. I was working, and the set that I was working on uh, had us working six-day weeks and working on Saturdays, which is when we usually do this. So, didn't happen. You're My fired. bad. You're fine. Oh. <laughs> but we're back. We're doing this. Uh, this is our next one. I would love next time to do Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Absolutely. I'd love to do a, a Blade Runner and a Blade Runner 2049 series 
comparison. Now that I've watched both of those movies, uh, I'll have a little bit more to kind say. Of, it'd be kind of interesting to do a cyberpunk sort of thing in general. A, uh, just a cyberpunk run? That'd be sweet. Yeah, I'd be okay Ghost with that. Ghost in the Shell and all that. Oh, God. I feel like there'd be a lot of stuff to say about that movie, and I don't know if I'm qualified to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well... We, we we could uh we could just go you know just production design sort of sort of uh, cyberpunk elements story elements oh perhaps. yeah I guess are you talking about the remake the American remake or are you talking about we, we could do either that'd All be right. a, that'd be a fun comparison because I've I've heard very much that the remake is a little whitewashed from the original Japanese everybody says that yeah they do I don't know I, it, I need to watch it for good. myself it's always good to get your own your own opinion on it anyway. Oh yeah, it'd be I'd, interesting to see how they both differ because I haven't seen the anime, so I have not either. Yeah, so I haven't I mean, seen either of them, so comparison wise. But I think next week, Blade Runner, Blade Runner would be a good way to to bring in the new the new stuff, um, at least for a little bit before Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. we may have to do a Christmas series, but I, I um, would say on that series, Jingle All the Way. Oh yeah, obviously, Jingle All the Way. Um, but yeah, so this has been Cinematics. You can find me on uh, Instagram. I'm Dark Sales Films. You can find me also on Twitter, although I barely use it. It's just a vessel to retweet my Instagram posts at Minimal Tales is on Twitter. You can also find my Dark Sales Films on Facebook. And you can find this podcast on Instagram. Anywhere that you find this podcast normally. <laughs> Spotify is probably the... Spotify is the one I know it for sure and it's on anchor and it's on obviously anchor hosts us so big thanks to them for letting us do this and you know all the other random podcast apps that exist out there we're on pretty much all of them so yeah we're global domination man we're only we're gonna three be, episodes away we're gonna be the only podcast out there eventually oh god that's but that's all. just that's just determination more than anything else. We're just going to keep doing this even after podcasts aren't a thing anymore. <laughs> We're just going to keep recording and putting them out there we'll anyway. Radio stories. Radio serials. I love those. Dark, dark Man and World War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Yeah. War, War of Worlds. War of the Worlds. The War of the Worlds. Until next time. Thanks he, for watching, listening, he, hearing, and experiencing. It's been real.